Where did you go to school? And who is your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little invisible parasites. Satan worshipping Freemason morons. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. Get the fuck out of here! There are much more powerful international forces in play. Is this pink guy? Is this what pink guy is? I don't fucking know what's happening. Please go outside and look at the moon quickly. It's been crazy, guys. We just want to tell this, mate. Mate, because I want to do this Well, I ain't spending any time on it. Welcome to the Condition Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we are going to kick off the show with a huge thanks to Watermelon Boy for the new intro, because it is great, and I love it, it. and it's hilarious. If you want to check him out, he is at watermelon underscore underscore boy, that's two underscores on social media. Two underscores, yes, that's And on Spotify. Give him a follow, especially on Spotify, for sure. Because, I mean, there's more. There's more where that came from. Get into it. But today, we have a special edition of the Conditional Release Program featuring an interview with Rob Anderson. Yeah, Rob is a friend of the program, a musician, a good bloke. And those are the things that define him, but he is also a victim of child sexual abuse. Yeah, and that's not this fake cure line, so-called ritual abuse bullshit that we frequently target on this program, and rightly so, but the kind of protracted and awful abuse that happens at the hands of horrific institutions. Yeah, Rob's story is not just a story of abuse and the evil bastard who perpetrated it, who thankfully is behind bars serving a long stretch in prison at the moment. And Rob's story is a story of institutional failures, policing failures, and a legal system that puts the rights of perpetrators ahead of victims. Yeah, and the interview is going to dominate our show today. And frankly, once I heard it, Jack and I agreed that we just put most of the comedy off this week. Yes. Just not appropriate. Yeah, we want all our listeners to listen to this. It's an awful story, and the only good news to come out of it is that Rob is in a good space and has the support of friends and loved ones. We're going to casually remind listeners once again that we need your help to continue doing this, bringing you this kind of unique content every week. Yeah, so check out our Patreon, patreon.com, the Condition Release Program, and get behind us if you can. And so without further ado, we'll kick off our news, but then just move straight to Rob's story. Yeah, we remind listeners that should any of the content in today's program raise any issues for you, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 36 46. To be fair, that was definitely further ado, but it was worth saying, and I'm glad you said it. So now it's on with the news. No more, yes. no more ado. We're done. No more. We're done with the ado. Mm. No more ado. So cookers have found yet another celebrity health issue to completely co-opt to make all about themselves. And this week, Justin Bieber is on the blunt end of that instrument when he Ooh. released a video explaining that he'd cancelled some tour dates due to a sudden facial paralysis known as Ramsey Hunt Syndrome. Yuck. So Bieber explained his recovery plan in terms his listeners would understand. He said, I got to get my rest on so I can get my face where it's supposed to be. Yes, Bieber, uh, you better get your rest on uh, so you can get your face where it's supposed to be. I mean, that just feels like a good idea. Good thinking. Yeah. Good thinking. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. That's great. So we've already established that any deaths or illnesses in celebrities, especially celebrities, but anyone, will instantly be hijacked by conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers and just general shitbags to be explained as an adverse reaction to COVID vaccines, you know, whichever one they just want at the time. So this was inevitable from the start. But when it comes to facial paralysis, this is their absolute bread and butter. They love this shit. 
Yeah, any sort of freak injury. I mean, look, and, and, and I don't know a lot about uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the number of times or the number of sufferers of Ramsey-Hunt syndrome there are, but it's bound not to be very many. Not many. So this is going to be one of those rare, bizarre and slightly freaky things that they're going to jump on. Oh, they love it. And this is the thing. So you've got a, a long history of capitalising on facial paralysis because it's very – Evident. You've got the local conspiracy theorist and shameless grifter El Salzone. She's got Bell's palsy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Most most people will know of Bell's palsy. It's another similar sort of stroke-like event that affects the face. Yeah, exactly. But of course, this is the thing. It's just all going to be vaccines from here on. I don't even think El El Salzone's Bell palsy predates COVID vaccines. And also, let's just face it, she has a long habit of injecting cosmetic medicine into her face. But instead of that, they're like, oh, it must be the vaccine. No, my love, it's the Mm. filler that you got from Puerto Rico. I mean, what are you (laughs) doing to yourself? But anyway, I mean, like, this is the thing. They absolutely love facial paralysis. When Victor Dominello turned up with Bell's palsy, it was a temporary facial paralysis that lasted a few days, and they immediately attributed it to COVID-19 vaccines. Dominello had AstraZeneca in him, and that kind of ruins the whole mRNA thing from the USA. Yeah, because it's mean, look, not an mRNA vaccine, yeah. Exactly, but it's just COVID vaccines. They're all the same somehow. Like, they're fucking morons, you know. Yeah. But- as you can imagine, the takes on Telegram have been absolutely dog shit on this. One genius who did a fairly straight report in the situation couldn't help himself and signed off with... I bet that the culprit is climate change. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. Because nobody is saying that facial paralysis is a consequence of climate change. You fucking <laughs> moron. I mean, it's not even funny. They're just... It's just weird. It like, was an attempt at humour, I think. You know, it's just oh so bad. Like, it's just like, what... Why? But then you've got others who were astonished to hear that Bieber was alive at all. And a huge thank to Soz for this one because it is a cracking conversation pulled from Telegram. How's this? He is said to have been executed. (laughs) Or maybe it's his clone and it's malfunctioning. Mm, Just a thought. Just a thought, yeah. Or Or another one was what? His clone died? He's been dead for a few years already. Oh, these people are awful. It's, it's pretty funny. Like, I mean, there's a conspiracy theory out there that the Illuminati actually killed off Bieber in a car crash and replaced him with a clone, which yeah. explains why he used to be yeah. such a nice boy, but he's now a bit of an asshole. And he is an asshole. I'm just going to say that right now. He's a piece mm. of shit. So yeah. the conspiracy blog reported that. It's obvious that the original Bieber, a good Christian boy, would not have been happy with these messages, enabling the Illuminati to kill him and replace him with a lookalike who is more willing to hide messages in song. It's that great. Makes sense. That makes it's great. Sense. I love the way the conspiracy theorists like if you like Bieber, it's got to be that his bad behavior is the work of a clone because you just yeah. make up the narrative as you go. You just like and now, oh, and, now, and now the fill-in Bieber has got the palsy. Oh yeah, exactly. Because you know, probably from doing all those Satan drugs or whatever they've just made up on the spot. Well, vaccine reaction, of course. So then there's this charming missive of peace that came from a peace, love, and light type. Uh, <laughs> One of Pete's Pete's mates. Yeah. Yeah. From day one, he was just a little jerk off and prat. And if he ain't dead yet, I hope it drops dead soon. Notice the it, which is definitely a a gender thing. Cool. What a great guy. And Stu Peters chimed in with some inside info. You just knew he was going to chip in. I just spoke to a record label insider, which means fucking no one. I just no spoke one. to a record label insider who says Bieber cannot say the COVID jab did this without losing his deal. No, what I, a fucking lie. It's just a complete lie. What deal? 
Like, I mean, what? It's just like, it's just complete horseshit. Everything about it is dumb. But this is the thing. You know, like they just make shit up. And this one, this is actually my favorite of them. Um, mm. This is all in caps, y'all. Can I just shout it? This is all in caps. Uh, this is very much all in caps. S- look, express it like you will, but taper it down for the listeners. Wakey, wakey Aussies. Do you actually think he took a poison jab? Four question marks. <laughs> I do not believe this little soy hmm, got the shot. Yes. Yeah, Nobody boy. in pedo wood or. Any politician did. Yep. Mm. What we are witnessing is the awakening of the masses. Hence, it's called the Great Awakening. Every event we are seeing is to wake more people up. Mm-hmm. God, there's a lot of exclamation marks here. Too so many. many. Way too so many. many. I see many so-called awake people are saying he got the vax as if he got the vax. They know what's in it. Yeah. Why pats who are controlling them are making them expose themselves and wake up the diet woke who still have no clue what's going on <laughs> and the normies. <laughs> Stop believing woke. everything you hear on the fake news. Art of war. Art of war. <laughs> Art of war. Optics people, wake up. That's some common sense advice. Oh, man. I know we're meant to make this episode funny, but that is... Living in the same fucking postcode as this weird... Just that brain. Just that brain is constantly on fire. So, look, there's mixed messages here, obviously. This person, one of the posts, I won't name them because I have a bit of a policy about that, but they uh, had a Q in their name. Um, So, that really explains how, like, the white hats and stuff like that, that real Bosey sort of language all comes from Mm. Q and on. But it is very funny. I mean, this is the thing. Like, you know... He has an adverse reaction to the vaccine and there's all this stuff about shingles. We'll get to it later. But he also didn't, you know, because someone's got to have the hotter take. But also cookers do tend to like yeah. to hedge their bets, you know, like they move the goalposts, stuff like that. But always that person who's like, you're all idiots. I know what's really happening. The white hats are controlling them. Like, I mean, fucking shut up. So while most of the takes are just that, which is just completely unhinged rubbish, conspiratorial nonsense just made up on the spot, a few of the more learned anti-vaxxers are trying to make this a bit more of a thing. So in mm. one observational study in Hong Kong I saw on Telegram, researchers found a patient with Ramsey Hunt two days after COVID vaccination and this is the basis of the correlation. They did get the Pfizer shot. Two days later, Ramsey Hunt. They figure it was something about the stress on the immune system that provoked the reaction, dormant shingles, blah, blah, blah. But this bizarre thing is, is they reference a paper in their findings, which literally states the Pfizer jab does not increase RHS or Bell's palsy. But another mm-hmm. vaccine available in Hong Kong called CoronaVac, which does not use mRNA, did increase Bell's palsy. So it's like it already stinks of just like, complete nonsense because that's like for me to pick that out is easy so they're not doing their research and while that flimsy correlation backed by completely contradictory evidence was easily enough for something for cookers to just rely on instead of that they've gone to their much more interesting gold standard bullshit factory which is VAERS the vaccine adverse event reporting system ah that old chestnut <laughs> oh fuck yeah I mean like, if you don't know this this is a database full of made up bullshit where cookers use it to justify their outlandish claims about vaccines they fill it with disinformation and then they say look people are dying some of the classic entries we've enjoyed in the past were that code vaccines turned one person gay and another into the incredible hulk which was actually a test as to how far he could push bears before they would remove something and they refused to remove it without getting his permission first <laughs> i mean come on guys just looking at a large hulk. green man with purple shorts mm. it's just yeah exactly yeah yeah just wondering with a needle sticking out of his arm hulk vax 
So another breakthrough by armchair medical experts was in the form of finding Ramsey Hunt in the Pfizer papers. Now, I don't want to go too far into this, but recently a Freedom of Information request was granted to publish an extensive record of findings from the Pfizer trials, which includes basically every possible reaction, including simple correlations. Yeah, it's total self-report. And mm. this is the thing. If an illness is found in a trial participant, you have to surveil it. This isn't because the jab causes the issues, but due to an abundance of caution and, you know, it's a fucking trial. This is the whole point. They yeah. are surveilled to ensure there's no causative effect involved from the vaccine. Totally fair enough because they actually do want to know. Yeah. But a mix of this Dunning-Kruger effect and an audience that absolutely knows what they want to hear has resulted in every little fucking health ailment turning up in the papers and being slashed around fucking TikTok and Telegram as proof of a link between the jab and various garden variety illnesses of varying degrees of severity and it's just tiring like it's just mountains yeah. of horseshit i got a wart on my penis yeah that's actually yeah that's herpes and that is in the list which oh, is so, tied to it's all herpes. it's the vaccine exactly no i wasn't out rooting randoms on saturday night no 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 yeah. it was the vaccine that gave me the herpes yeah better very clever defense all the same yeah. So on the other side of the political spectrum are calls on Twitter that Bieber's diagnosis is actually a result of a COVID infection. And, I mean, his wife, Haley had recently had a blood clot in her brain. They're a very unlucky family. And Cook has jumped on this and made it all about them. But considering that COVID isn't just a respiratory disease, but one that does impact heavily on circulation, does cause a shitload of blood clots, it makes sense there could be a link. They mm. also said there might be birth control pills, which do this in a terrifying way that I didn't know before COVID, and long-haul air travel. These are really? actual causes of blood clots. Well, makes yes, total well, sense. Yeah, well known. Yeah. But the main link speculated on here, of course, by the cookers, is the link between shingles and Ramsey Hunt. And it is true. Ramsey Hunt is caused by the varicella zoster virus, which is a form of shingles, and it can flare up in times of stress. But cookers are trying to link it to this nonsensical idea. They're not even using the vaccine so much as they're saying that monkeypox yeah. is also just shingles in disguise. This. Yeah, I have seen this. I have seen this, yeah. All a reaction to COVID vaccines. Like it all comes down to this absurd notion that it's not just like a dormant uh, thing that's, you know, reactivated by a bit of stress on the immune system. No, it's this whole conspiracy. Like it's just silly. Ah, shingles. I've got ah, shingles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is an unfortunate location for it to present. But this isn't the first time that cookers have taken issue with Bieber. And while it's well known that Justin Bieber is a huge god botherer who features Christian iconography all through his music videos and lyrics, it's gross. The cookers are convinced he's an agent of Satan because, I don't know, they're bored, but also, of course, transgender. I ah, mean, there you go. Are you surprised? Bieber mm. would not be happy with this, though, because he is publicly anti-Satan. He's not a fan of Satan one bit. No, he doesn't like Satan. He told the crowd in London at the last date of his purpose tour, Instagram is for the devil, explain his exit from the social media platform. I think hell is Instagram. It's either for the devil or hell. Can't be both. Anyway, I think hell is Instagram. I'm like 90% sure. Oh, my God, he's not. <laughs> He's not totally sure. He still can be sold. But yeah, well, I, I think I'm 100%. Devil. I reckon yeah. Instagram really is Satan. I think Beebs is on to something there. Now, in wrapping up Cooking News, we're going to leave the funny stuff for next week where we're going to look at the Freedom Embassy that the Canberra oh, Cookers have funny. recently erected near Old Parliament House, which is just, it's very funny. It's made of cling wrap. It's just they, embarrassing. They have frequent erections. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if they can have too many after this, but we'll get into it next week. It's, it a, is... bit, it's a bit cold. Uh, bit cold in Canberra at the moment. Yeah. It's it's not it a good is, place to hang it out. It is but, hugely um, funny. And we will get on that next week. Yeah. 
with more yeah. news possibly because they're running barbecues in an enclosed space. So let's mm. see if someone dies. Let's anyway. see how many erections they've unplanned erections that they've got. Um, yes, while they're falling asleep in a fucking next week carbon we'll monoxide haze. Our, uh, our our other piece of news is really uh, non-celebrity or in fact celebrities who are ugly, ugly people and we're talking yes. about politicians now. Uh, and this is uh, the Democrat-controlled House Select Committee began public hearings into the storming of the Congress building on January 6, 2021. Started uh, started last Thursday evening American time. Uh, the hearings began with a statement from committee chair Benny Thompson, a Democrat, most of them are, uh, on this committee. Benny Thompson said Donald Trump was at the centre of this conspiracy and ultimately Donald Trump, the President of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy, unquote. That's pretty mm. pretty stark. Uh, the only two uh, GOP or Republican reps are Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Uh, they're the only Republicans on the panel. The rest of the Republicans are sitting out on this one. And the Probably Senate has said, oh, we're going to conduct our, our, our own inquiries. What, this year? Next yeah, year? I mean, Liz Cheney is not a big fan of Trump as well. They uh, Hardcore Republicans... Often yeah, they want her out. Tear her Hard, hardcore Trumpers want her gone, oh, and she's really have- going to struggle to win her uh, to win her primary in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. In a statement, uh, Cheney, as she said, Liz Cheney said Trump invested millions of dollars in campaign funds to purposely spread quote false information, running ads he knew were false, and convincing millions of Americans that the election was corrupt. And he was the true president. As you will see, Cheney added, this information campaign provoked the violence on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but perhaps we need to go back to get some uh, perspective on all of this. We all know Trump's reaction to his defeat on November 3, 2020, but it is worthwhile remembering what he said or tweeted around that time. And five months before the election, and mindful what was coming his way, you know, he can look at the polls too. He tweeted, Millions of mail-in, all in caps, by the way, as he's wont to do, millions of mail-in ballots. This is June of 2020, you know. Mm. Millions of mail-in ballots will be printed by foreign countries and others. It will be the scandal of our times, unquote. Five months away, he was already saying, if I lose, I'm going to spit the dummy. And at 2.30 a.m. on November 4. So this is the morning after the election. As the presidential vote count solidified Biden's path to victory in the Electoral College, Trump told the nation and the world, this is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. I remember him saying that because that was almost the wrong thing to say. You know, and, then, mm-hmm. and he thought, he goes, frankly, we did win this election. <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I remember him frankly. saying that. Oh. And the story behind that is that he was walking around the room in the White House going, talking to all these sort of well-wishers who are hanging around, you know, feeling a bit awkward about taking the martinis and, and goes, well, what do I say? What do I say? And, 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 and it was Giuliani who came up to him and said, just tell him, just tell him it's been stolen. And he goes, oh, okay. And that's when it started. That's when the idea of first in, in real terms generated. Three days later, the Associated Press and the rest of the media declared Biden the victor. Trump, however, said, 
We all know why Joe Biden, didn't call him sleepy then, we all know why Joe Biden is rushing to falsely pose as the winner and why his media allies are trying so hard to help him. They don't want the truth to be exposed. You can just say exposed. But anyway, the simple fact is this election is far from over. Our campaign will start prosecuting our case in court. And they did, and they lost every single time. On December 30, 2020, from Mar-a-Lago, where he was spending his holidays, Trump tweeted up, January 6th, see you in D.C. Mm-hmm. And Trumpers did come in their thousands, some from militia groups, some from uh, the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. At the first presidential debate in September 2020, I don't know if our listeners remember this, Trump told the Proud Boys, I mean, Biden had asked him, in fact, not yeah. Biden, but one of the interviewers had asked him, uh, to to basically denounce the Proud Boys. Yeah. And Trump told them to stand back and stand, stand by. That was so cool. Uh, a member of the Proud Boys testified to the House Committee that the President's comment effectively tripled the membership of the far-right group, right, from that September 2020 to January 6, 2021. Mm-hmm. Its former leader, Enrique Tario, also said he wished he made T-shirts of the moment. (laughs) On 13 January 2022, the Department of Justice unsealed an an indictment against the leader of the Oath Keepers, Elmer Stewart Rhodes, sounds like he should be in Warner Brothers cartoons, (laughs) and 10 associates, charging them with seditious conspiracy, the most severe charge levied against any of the alleged capital rioters so far. Subsequently, four Proud Boys, including... Enrique Tario, have been charged with the same offence. Enrique Tario and two others pleaded not guilty last week. 306 federally charged rioters have entered guilty pleas so far, which led to the deaths of three people and the destruction of the House sector of the Congress building. There'll be more. The FBI is still perusing video and people are being charged with with offences around the storming of the Capitol building literally for years. Yeah, that's brutal. You wouldn't want to be waiting in the wings for that. The first jury trial, and this is something that we spoke about in the conditional release program uh, uh, as the conviction occurred, this is the first jury trial relating to the capital rights, resulted in a jury finding rioter, a guy, refit or refit, guilty on each of the five counts he faced after fewer than four hours of deliberations. US prosecutors said refit bought a pistol and flex cuffs to the Capitol but didn't enter the building. That's one of the nonsenses that you often see on social media about January 6th by yep. pro-Trumpers. They say, oh, they were, uh, no one was armed. They just had, yep. you know, like clubs and, you know. Bullshit. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Bullshit, yeah. <clears throat> yep. Refford had a pistol, he had a sidearm, and in the boot of his car, parked not far away, he had an AR-15 assault rifle. 100%. And, like, of course they got concealed weapons. What the fuck are you talking about? No, it's absolute bullshit. It's one of the bullshit things, and, and, and it's it's been put about by Fox News types. It, oh, no, 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 just there. And, you know, got a bit, yeah. yeah, the Tucker Carlson types. Yeah, and there's a bit of, you know, you know, yeah, everyone's just got a bit. needs arms. It just got a bit out of hand, you know. Yeah. That's, that's the argument. It's like a teenager's party. If you think that it's just, you know, just got a little bit of out of hand, ref it for a start is awaiting sentencing. It's actually sentencing was due last week. For some reason, it, it's been delayed. He's uh, uh, awaiting sentencing and, and he could be, you know, be sentenced to prison for as long as 60 years. That's and insane. I guarantee you, this seditious conspiracy charges against, uh, what have we got, 15 people, proud boys and oath keepers. I guarantee you, that. 
that is term of the or your, of your natural life in prison. Wow. Uh, <coughs> if those people are found guilty, a lot of people have pleaded guilty. A lot of people have flipped. There are a number of oath keepers who have flipped. There are a number of um, uh, proud boys who have flipped, including the one you who would. provided uh, testimony to to the House Select Committee. And you since the creation up. of of the committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol building. The committee has interviewed hundreds of people, issued dozens of subpoenas and sorted through thousands of documents related to the riots. The committee offered an overview of its findings that then-President Donald Trump was at the heart of a multi-stage attempted coup to retain power. That's the way you've got to see it. And it showcased bits of testimony from former Attorney General Bill Barr, Capitol rioters, a Capitol police officer, a documentary filmmaker who was looking at the Proud Boys at the time and has all the footage of them running around and and con, con, conducting a bit of seditious conspiracy. Yeah, yelling out, I'm conducting seditious conspiracy. Uh, so all of that is there. And so there they yeah. are smiling for the cameras. And even the president's elder Ooh. daughter, Ivanka Trump. I don't know if you saw that. We'll get to that in a minute. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack uh, held its first hearing uh, after, after sifting through all of this evidence. So these are their first public hearings. Liz Cheney is the vice chair, Benny Thomas. Benny Thompson is the chair. They presented the committee's case to show Trump attempted to subvert the 2020 presidential election and bring to light his allies who assisted him along the way. Members of the Proud Boys stormed the Capitol. They were the first. The Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, they were the first guys up there and they were um, conducting what what is basically yeah. paramilitary yeah. exercise. Some are accused of coordinating uh, to prevent the Capitol Police from sealing off the tunnels of the building, you know, so they, so they can go and hang uh, go and hang Mike Pence, which is what they were chanting to do. Uh, Cheney said, and this is really interesting, uh, Rep uh, Scott Perry, who refused to testify to the committee, he's a major Trumper, directly asked for a pardon from Trump for working to install Jeff Clark as Attorney General to further investigate the results. Uh, the Attorney General Barr uh, had gone uh, and Trump was trying to install a junior attorney into as Attorney General who would basically try and do his wow. best to Just do whatever Trump result. told him to do, basically. And, she, and, and Cheney went on to say she also said other Republican members of Congress asked for pardons from the president, so they knew yeah. how bad this yeah. was. they were ready for you it. Know? This is not just now. This is this is just why it's been played on Fox News as a kind of oh no no. It's just look, everyone got a bit out of control, and oh, it's not. It's not that the president wanted this happen. Uh, on the on the uh, opening uh, of proceedings, the committee showed a short clip of a of a video testimony from Ivanka Trump part of the eight hours she spent before the committee. She was asked about Attorney General Barr's assertion there was no fraud to be found to overturn the presidential election. It affected my perspective, Ivanka said. I respect Attorney General Barr, so I accepted what he was saying. Very interesting that, uh, that Ivanka and her husband, Jared, had determined very early on, really from that moment on the 4th of November where Trump started babbling about a stolen election, that they were just going to, they just going to hightail yeah. it out of DC. And they basically did. They packed up their, packed up their home and then they moved to Miami. They knew New York was not going to be a pleasant place for them. So Jared Kushner really accepted this at, yeah. the, at the outset. And there were pleas for him to come and basically go and talk some sense into Trump. And he said, look, Trump's fallen in with Giuliani and there's just yeah. no way I'm yeah, going to get involved it. in that. So, uh, you know, we, we did have a look at Jared Kushner's judgment earlier on. Sometimes it's been a misplaced 
uh, it's been misplaced and a bit odd, but he certainly knew exactly what was coming then. Oh, yeah, totally. He's a piece of shit, but, I mean, like, he's not crazy. He's just a terrible, terrible capitalist piece of shit. Yeah, but but he understood. Yeah, he understood. He understood the, the full yeah. gravity of what was being done. And through it all, Trump has labelled the committee's oh. inquiries a, a witch hunt. He loves that loves word. It. He loves yeah. that phrase. And then a witch hunt. Amusingly, Joel, he and his followers, advocates yeah. of free speech, freedom, have banned opposing voices on the pro-Trump. Uh-huh. Truth Social, a Twitter-like social media platform it's that has amazing. been a spectacular failure. So we've had people come in there and just talking about what happened on January 6th here. Ivanka Trump yep. said this. Just banned, and, you know, completely banned. And they get Not banned. even just like a bit of Facebook jail, like actually banned. <laughs> banned. It's so embarrassing. How these people are but, just yeah. like there's not only just thin skinned, but the hypocrisy is just next level, next level stuff. You don't think th- you don't think they mean three speech like yeah. Trump and Giuliani <laughs> I mean, and maybe you know, one other, and they just honestly, you know they can't pronounce the word, so it's like free. It comes out as free. Utter horseshit. We want free speech. We want free speech. It's Trump. Yeah, that's and, just, yeah. Okay. Now the GOP remains visibly supportive of Trump. You know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this and we'll report yeah, uh, to listeners as it goes. Um, but it'll drop off. You know, the GOP is going to drop off him. Um, uh, <clears throat> Trump is finished. This, this, what it does actually confirm is that he is finished. His own daughter thinks he's a pathological <laughs> liar and a fantasist. I mean, the irony is, if he showed some dignity and honour in defeat, he'd be a chance in twenty twenty four. But not now. He he won't end up in jail. No, he's not. He cannot run in twenty twenty four. I'll explain why in, in future programs. It just can't happen because everyone else has moved on except for him. And so he either backpedals and looks like an idiot, or he continues to perpetrate this lie that people yeah. just don't believe. Yeah. It just won't get. It won't win him too many independent voters. He'll yeah, get okay. smashed in the primaries. And DeSantis will kick him to death in the primaries if he runs with this shit. But he won't end up in jail over this. You know, that's not the way this is going to go. I mean, there may be some criminal charges uh, for those who are, and there are, against those who are directly involved that, that will be coming. But um, it, it, this will just be a stain on his on his presidency that just simply cannot remove. And interestingly, 20 million wow, people that watched. is big. That's big numbers. That, Especially for something so dry as this. You know, that's 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 a Seinfeld yeah. finale, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a big number. So 20, 20 million people tuned into this for the first day's proceedings, and they know exactly who Trump is and yeah. the dangers he represents. The old orange cooker is cooked, and it sounds like his chances of rooting Ivanka are also on the fucking rails. <laughs> In today's special edition of the Conditional Release Program, we have an interview with Rob Anderson. Now, so many episodes of the show deal with Q-Align cultism, featuring the madness of wild and unsubstantiated uh, allegations of child sex abuse. The FBI has made it clear the Q-Align fabrications cause great harm and take up time that could be better spent investigating where actual child sex abuse has occurred. The interview with Rob today is a true story. It is a story of a victim of child sex abuse, the abuse Rob suffered, 
lasted for more than three years and included the worst forms of sexual abuse, including rape. And while Rob's tormentor was convicted and jailed for the abuse, in the peculiar way these matters are prosecuted, many of the perpetrator's crimes have been airbrushed from existence, at least as far as the criminal justice system is concerned. It is just one failing in a long list of failures Rob had to endure, from the school he attended and where the abuse began, to the police who failed for years to conduct a serious criminal investigation, and to the deficiencies of our criminal and civil courts, which place more emphasis on the perpetrator's rights than those of his victims. And this is Rob's story. Yeah, joining me today on Just Asking Questions is Rob Anderson. And Rob Anderson has an extraordinary story to tell. Uh, it's a story of child sexual, sexual abuse, but more than that, it's a story of complete institutional failure, both uh, the institution uh, where the abuse occurred, which is Trinity Grammar School in Sydney, policing failures and, pol- and failures around the courts. It's great to have you here to tell you the, to tell us your story. Rob, thank you very much. No, thanks for having me on, Joe. If we're on radio, I'd say, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes, uh, yes, we do know. I mean, Rob and I have known each other for for a fair while now, and and we consider ourselves pretty good friends. And uh, you do have a remarkable story to tell, but let's start uh, telling that story. In the very first day, you're at Trinity Grammar School. It's an APS school, isn't it? It's one of the the gun private schools in Sydney. What was your first day uh, like uh, at... At, uh, at Trinity. Well, mate, I actually came across a photo doing a lot of this sort of stuff and uh, it was me at four and a half looking very proud on the front doorstep all dressed up in the school uniform and um, heading off to a bright, great future. Full of hopes and dreams, a yeah. little bit of trepidation about setting your foot in that big, august looking school, slightly scary I suppose. Yeah, but it was actually right next door to the house, so it was a neighbourhood <laughs> thing, we were right near Trinity. Right. I'd actually been enrolled to Newington, but uh, yeah, your parents bought another house and, and off, off I went. So you started at uh, Trinity Grammar School as uh, in, in kindergarten, effect, in, in effect, yes? Yep, yep, four and a half years old, mate, and um, yeah, look, yeah, everything was great, everything was looking great, as it did for the next... Well, five or six years. Really. Five, five years, I'd say. Five or six years. You started a kindergarten and the abuse commenced in grade six. We'll get to that in a moment. But now tell me about your last day at school and not as a school student at this stage because it's 45 years later. You have to meet, well, perhaps it wasn't on the school campus, but you had to meet some of the bigwigs from your school and you had to explain to them what had happened to you, how it had affected your life and how uh, you were completely within your rights to feel let down by them. Yeah, well, that's right, man. We had what's called the DPR, the Direct Personal Response, which is an optional extra at the end of your... Um, National Redress National Scheme. National Redress yeah. Scheme. And, um, yeah, I thought I'd take up that opportunity after uh, I hadn't really had any face-to-face with them. You don't get that in a legal process in the end, as you know. It's a very different world. Mm. And... Uh, no, finally, I was direct, well, unfortunately, the headmaster had to be Skype because of COVID in the end, but he was there, and there was the junior headmaster and also um, 
one of the, well, I guess he's a, a parent from the school council was there as well. And this is a school that basically had, over the space of that for 45 years, fought you tooth and nail in regards to accepting liability and responsibility for what had been done to you. Mm. You must have been angry. Mate, full of anger. And as you know, I mean, they went back. I mean, they'd, they'd officially known since 97 when they used the statute laws to uh, to just get me to go away. Um yeah, they changed and then we were back, but um, yeah, nothing was different. Just to explain, um, uh, many institutions relied upon um, the um, uh, statute of limitations in regard to civil actions uh, for child sexual abuse. It meant um, uh, that outside of a fixed period, I think it was five years, uh, no compensation or no civil action could uh, could could go ahead. Now, those laws have changed, um, but it actually meant that a lot of schools didn't have to keep records, uh, could easily uh, just dispose of uh, of unpleasant facts and incidents that had occurred uh, more than five years prior. Um, and, and that's certainly the way Trinity Grammar responded to your, basically to your report mm. of, uh, uh, of you being uh, indecently dealt with and raped at the school or, mm. with, or by a teacher at the school. Yeah. Well, what was particularly disappointing in amongst a lot of disappointment and a few high points was the fact that um, they'd already, you know, our actual final, the final court case, because I'd been to the police three times over the years. Um, very luckily for me, my Royal Commissioner, when I went to the Royal Commission and had no expectations, I thought I was just going to tell them about Trinity, was Bob Atkinson. He reopened the case and we got our criminal matter, which was fantastic. And I know we're going to talk we'll about talk that. We'll talk about that later, yeah. But when we came out of court, having put him away, and their public comments was how much they support the boys for coming forward and they'd stand with us and were that sort of thing, but in the background, they had no intention of settling at all. When it came to actually the business of accepting liability, yes, a lawyer's way of saying responsibility, they uh, they shirked it. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, and we'll get to the the full extent of that yeah. shortly. But we need to go back and and visit the abuse. Um, your abuser at Trinity Grammar School was a teacher by the name of Neil Futcher. Yeah, um, Neil Futcher, and he joined that last year of our primary school, which um, strangely for me with everything that went on in that one year, felt like two years and there was a bit of confusion in trials, but it was all sorted out. But um, yeah, I mean... So, so I, when you began your last year at the uh, Trinity Grammar Preparatory School, yep. uh, uh, the grade six ed, Neil Futcher was started teaching uh, yep. at, at Trinity Grammar uh, prep school, and he was the disciplinarian. Well, they were all allowed to use the cane, but he took it to another level. He he reveled in it. He, there were some teachers even back then that were, you know, they could use it, but they, they didn't use it with any force. It was more of a tap. But, uh, no, for Futcher, it was something that he, he reveled in. And, I mean, I've heard many stories later, and it's happened to, directly to someone I know, but um, not only did he cane you, he would go as far as to say to pull your t pants down and pull your ass cheeks apart while I do it, you know. Right. And he was vicious. Um, the kids nicknamed him early on, Futcher the Butcher. And uh, for better or worse, uh, from my point of view, he, uh, well, he was my cricket and football coach. So he, that was my first introduction to him. And it was a strange thing because he also wanted to be the cool teacher. So, you know, boys that age were starting to, the hormones are starting. And if a teacher, as he was, has a, a pornographic magazine in his car and lets you have a look at it, well, 
you sort of do. That was the first attempt, basically, we call that grooming, don't we? We we know what it's called now. I wouldn't have known that word back in the day at all. I don't think Mm. I even knew what the word pedophilia was Mm. back in the day. Um, But so he he had that, and also he was teaching my best friend. Uh, He was his direct class teacher. And uh, my best friend, great bloke, we're still great mates to this day, but he he was the class clown. He, He was the comedian. Occasionally he went a bit too far. Occasionally he didn't, and some teachers just couldn't take it. But Futcher was going to straighten him out. That's what he told his parents. He used that sort of in with the parents. And, uh, mate, he caned him ruthlessly. I mean, viciously. You'd call it torture these days and, and child abuse. Really. It would certainly be illegal today. It would be. It would constitute physical assault. It would, mate. And, and serious physical yeah. assault. And this yeah. was like, you know, people who'd maybe been through the system, you'd, you'd You'd have heard of six of the best, but I mean, six of the best was nothing. Yeah, he might get that three or four times in a day, you know. Eventually, though, uh, this was supposedly working, and um, Mr. Futcher turned around and uh, said, because uh, of the great improvement he'd seen in my friend, that uh, he could, uh, he was going to take him and a few other select kids on a, a camp. Right. About the middle of the year, this would have been, and um, Wayne was uh, allowed to choose a friend to go with him, you know. And that was you. Yeah, and I was his best mate, so he said, "Hey, do you want to come camp?" And we, you know, and of course we were thrilled. It sounded great, you know. And um, there were a number of these camps, weren't there? There was as, as time went on, but um, and, and again, one at Kangaroo Valley, I believe. Yeah, the, the old um, no, that was you know, that was another place. No, that, right. these were out at then was there was nothing there at uh, uh, Macquarie Fields. Oh God! Yeah. To the point that you know the police even probably got it wrong, and for a long time it was referred to as Lake Macquarie in a lot of the court documents. Right. But it was actually Macquarie Fields, which in the day settled. was just yeah. just nothing, nothing. And, yeah. and I don't know how we'd come on it. We've actually found the area later. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a, on it's the it's Georges suburban, River, and, yeah. You know, suburb in the in the outer outer southwest of Sydney. Yeah, but I mean, it's that grooming thing again, mate. We were gone down there on a number of occasions, but similar thing happened every time, you know. Tents would be set up, but then, hey, boys, we're all here on our own. Get your kid off, you know. And nothing wrong with a bit of skinny dipping. It's quite, it is quite freeing, really. And he's watching know. watching all of this, but or did he involve? Yeah, yeah. yeah did no. he, did he, oh, he got involved too, but, yeah. you know, little by little, as they say. Little by that, little. It's that little by little. Did you feel that he, he, he was, looking back at it now, that he was, he was trying to establish trust? Oh, definitely. I mean, with a... <laughs> With the with hindsight, it's so obvious and so clear now. But being a child, and and these guys are clever, as you know. You know, many of them, are, they might be horrible, horrible people, but they're very good at what they do. Unfortunately, very clever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We do that. We do see that side in in, in grooming, in particular, that mm. that, uh, that people like Futcher would would concentrate on on boys that they might think they have the, tr- the trust of parents yep. that they might have or, or that perhaps the parents were not going to get, they sort of realised that the parents were not going to kick up a fuss or react. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be... Um, In our case, it was classic because my dad was working all the time. He worked right. six or seven days a week. The other chap's dad uh, had uh, a full-time small business too. He worked in seven days a week. And these parents would work in these sort of hours to send kids to schools like Trinity, you know, and pay the school fee. And and Futcher would have known these. Yes. Yeah. And and basically preyed uh, upon you on on those things alone. Look, the third boy from our school, great mate, again, his father was absent. 
the single mum situation. Yep. Um, we're all a bit sporty. Yep. Always absent fathers. Mum's always the one at the soccer game or the footy game, you know, yep. the cricket. Mm. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd chum them all up, you know. So in the courses this year, in this year, or year six at Trinity Grammar School, mm. uh, with this grooming occur, it led to, and I don't expect you to go into great detail, um, but... But this led to very serious sexual abuse. Well, mate, it then followed that, um, you know, he was uh, he knew where your house was and things. And, and again, yeah. it, was, it was as simple as... He stalked you. He actually stalked well, you. Well, he stalked me all my life, as I found out later. He knew where I lived longer after I wow. had no interest in him, except what I couldn't get away from. But, wow. um, yeah, he stalked us. He worked down the parents. He became the, you know, come round and... Yeah, and then uh, finally, again, it was the old um, take me and Wayne to play squash. Right. You know, I'll take the boys to play squash now. Right. Um, you know, the mate was, you know, it was great. You know, we, we'll go out and nothing too much had happened up to now. There'd been a bit of touching, but like I said, a bit of the showing you the magazines. It all seemed yes. a little bit harmless, and, yeah. you know, all right. And uh, we found ourselves, and the first time we actually played squash, you know, and... Uh, we might have done it for a couple of occasions. Then one day he turned up and said Wayne couldn't come. So know? it was just you and him? Just me and him. And um, we ended up after that, um, you know, we played squash. And it was, it, was, it was a very casual, look, i got to call back my place, get something. How about we'll go and you can jump in the shower and right. do that, my joint, you know? Mm -hmm. All seemed quite fine, really, you know. Until uh, I was in the shower and uh, suddenly he was in the shower there with me, mate. And... Uh, from then on, uh, yeah, unfortunately, very, very serious sexual the, penetration and everything. Started. Yeah, so, so, so we are looking at the absolute top end of the scale in terms of offending. Yeah, uh, and um, then threatened me, you know, the, and, that and drive what, home threatened me. And, uh, 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 if it's not too much yeah. trouble, you tell me what he, the threats that he would that he would give you when when he was dropping you home or when the, when these when these uh, Again, these offences the, ended. The bits that really stand out and. Um, you know, that drive back, it was very strange. And I remember you pulled over about a kilometre from my house. It was on the, the street, I can see it all. But um, And he just said to me, uh, you know, no one's going to find out about this, you know. And at that stage, you don't know where this is going. You're in a car with a guy. You're going to be complicit now, right. you know. Yeah. And, and it was, you know... He played on the fact that, yes, I'm an adopted child. Your parents don't really love you, all that sort of stuff. Wow. They'll never believe you. And if they believe you, also, finally, and if it ever comes out, I'll kill you and your brothers and sisters and your family. And, again, we'd already been introduced to the fact through camping and this that he had guns. Right. So, so you, 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 it's you, the multi-layer. Did you feel, firstly, that you were complicit in the abuse? I felt from that moment on, from the moment... In that car, that I said it was all right because I wanted to get home that day, right? And I wanted to protect you. Would have been in a state of shock. And I wanted to protect, you know, this guy's threatening my family. No, I'll do whatever, you know. So that's after the first abuse. Yeah. He's saying he's going to kill your family, kill, kill the family, mm -hmm. and even you know, no one's going to believe you. Everything you could possibly do, um, 
So prior to this, up into your grade five level, you, you've been announced as a school monitor, a sort of wow. uh, a preparatory yep. school, um, yep. primary school sort of uh, version of a prefect. You're doing well at sport. I mean, how did you respond to the trauma in your grade six and into your year sevens? Well, certainly when it went on, I mean, people again, you know, my parents would say they look back now, they can pinpoint when something happened, grades dropped, I became a little bit more of a handful at school, a little bit more disruptive at home, you know, all those sort of things. But again, it's all with that great thing called hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, and and, and you're getting into that age where you're, you're coming into adolescence and it could be quite normal stuff yeah. to some extent, yeah. Did you know that he was abusing other kids? At this stage, by year but seven, even, year eight, even to this day, I've never discussed it with the closest one from the matter. Not in detail. We don't know what happened to each other, and of course, with the court case, you don't go in when the other person's testifying. So, I always suspected, and he said he was doing the other kids as well. Right, he told you. Oh yeah, to wow. make it normal. It's this normalisation ah, thing, yeah. you know. Okay. They like it. It's all good, you know. Mm. Isn't this? You know, this is what you do. And um, gee, at that age, in one part of your brain, you, you sort of accept some of that, you know. It's a very confusing, very confusing. Look, we want to touch on just briefly. In fact, we'll move forward to that day mm. of justice, right? So, mm. how did you fin- how did you end up at school? Did you go to year? 12 and do the HSC, all that sort of stuff? No, well, again, there's there's a, there's a whole story in this, and as you know, there's a bigger podcast that uh, my friend yes. is doing, and you're involved a bit with that, and that'll flush out the whole story. Fortunately for me, the headmaster at Trinity at the time was in his own sexual problems. Mm. Uh, we actually had a current affair turn up at speech day and accused him of uh, going over the top in what he was telling the older boys in his sex education class. It looked like something out of Monty Python's meaning of life, you know. Right. Apparently he was telling graphic stuff. And so there was a bit of a thing, and my mother actually said, right, that's the end, you're pulling you out of this school. And I was then sent on to Barker. Well, Futcher, from, from a, maybe two months at Barker, things seemed really different because this guy wasn't there. And then well, I walked you out didn't the have gates an abuser. of, gates How old of were you Barker. Then? Oh, so we're talking... So I changed in year seven. Year seven, okay. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, still pretty young, 13, I guess, 12, 13. So, so you think you've gotten rid of your abuser, but then he, he keeps And stopping. then I walked out the gates one day and there he was, you know, wow. and uh, it all that started been, again. must be terrifying. Oh, it, these are the things that stand out. You know, I remember that moment just thinking, like, Christ, it's never going to end, is it? You know, and, and at the same time, how stupid could I be that it would? It's only, you know. And, of course, he ingratiated himself with the teachers at uh, Barker. He'd happily just walk onto the grounds, which is very different these days, yeah, you know. Do, and, uh, most of these gate places are gated these days. Mm. But, yes, and unfortunately for me, I, and, of course, then I was isolated too. I, I was a new boy at a new school with no real friends. Mm. And probably if we'd stayed at Trinity, maybe we'd got to an age and we were a solid group. We'd known each other for a long time. I, looking back now, I think maybe that was another missed opportunity. You know, we're getting older. Maybe we'd have done something. But instead, I was now isolated on my own. New school. Couldn't say anything to anyone. And got to, got to play the game again. You know? what, what we know from the Royal Commission is that, on average, uh, the reporting period between the abuse and 
the day that someone walks into a police station to make a formal complaint is, I think, 25 years in men and mm-hmm. I think 21 in women. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. But a lot of time, over two decades elapsed. When did you first report to police? Yeah, and, and, and just quickly looking at those sort of figures and the friends I've seen around me, I'd say they're very accurate. And the people yeah, well, like, it's you know, taken over. It's taken longer. Yeah. In my case, it was probably brought on a little bit earlier for me, it was having kids, right. and then there was an operation paradox the police were running, which right. I think would be probably close to one of their first attempts to promote something That's where right. they wanted people to come forward. Unfortunately, when I did come forward, I went to my local police station in Terrigal and basically got lip service that they'd taken his name. They walked away for a few minutes, probably had a coffee out the back. I don't even know if they typed his name in, but they came out and said there was no record of him. Thanks for that. See you later. So they've done a basic check, I well, presume, a basic check to see if Neil Futcher had a criminal criminal, criminal antecedents, yeah, and, and found out that he didn't. No, no so that's, strike, so. that's Operation Paradox. Yes, that was that. I think that from memory it was a, re- a dial a 1-800 number yeah, or go and report it or yeah. go to a police station yeah. and report child sex abuse. This is... Just, just tell me if I'm wrong. Was that inspired by the Woodrow Commission? Because the Woodrow Commission had dealt with um, um, clear um, uh, relationship between pedophiles and police. In some cases, pedophiles were paying um, uh, police for um, not so much protection, but for inside information when other police may uh, be coming to be coming to get them. So they give be given a bit of a heads up so they could disappear. Uh, or uh, we found out during the Woodrow Commission too that the Child Protection Squad was known as the Nappy Squad within within uh, within the New South Wales Police Force at the time because it just wasn't taken seriously. And and basically, you know, often you would find detectives who had fallen ill of their colleagues were of, often transferred to uh, the Child Protection Unit as a form of punishment. Um, what time were we talking about when you actually walked in the door at Terrigal? Do you remember the year? I'm thinking of 93, mate. Okay, so it's pre-Woodrow Commission and the New South Wales Police Force at that time, as I said, was just completely hopeless in regard to the the investigation of child child sexual assaults. Mm. Um, There's no excuse for it. There is simply none because up until really uh, uh, the immediate post-World War II period, I mean, this sort of abuse, the sort of abuse that you sustained was was a capital, mm. was a capital crime. Yeah, you've you mentioned can, that you can hand before, for. which is incredible. So, yeah. so it's so it's extraordinary. So you've gone to police, uh, you think sort of sometime in 1991, they 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 brushed you basically. Yeah, um, and, and people have asked me about that, and I, to be honest, mate, I came out almost relieved. I think because. I thought I'd probably have to tell them everything, and I didn't have to tell them bugger all. As detailed it turned out. detailed <laughs> statement, yeah, yeah, and uh, so that was that. And it's I, just incredible, isn't it? And, and you, you speak to a lot of people. For me, I guess, and a lot of them refer to it. I do. We call it the black box. We bury all these secrets in. We mm. push it down as far as you can, and you hope you're never going to open it. I guess that was the first time that I squeezed it open a little bit. There were uh, there were other occasions when you reported too. You you weren't going to let the matter go. Um, so there are other occasions yeah. when you reported, and again you did find another failure. 
Yeah, in 97, I was encouraged to go back again. I told someone actually what had happened the first time, and, and obviously it was still go to the causing me issues. I was still talking about it to people, very few people, but mm. this person I knew fairly well. I was touring around in the band with them. They were actually the manager of the band at the time and came out one night, and they just encouraged me, look, you've got to do more, you know. You're a muso touring around, yeah, touring around. Yeah. So... And, and, and when you did take someone into your trust and told them these stories, they'd say, because it's a common thing to say, go go to the police. Yeah. So so what happened when you so did go to the police time, a second time? I think we're talking early 97 now. I went yep. back and totally different, you know. I'm at uh, Ballina Police Station, this bloke in his blue uniforms. Unfortunately, thought, oh, my God, no doubt. But, you know, yeah. in we went and I'm we actually sat down. down. Yeah. We sat down and he took a statement. He took, at that stage, which was my first official full statement, you know, as full as it was then, and there have been lots of subsequent ones since and top-ups and corrections or, you know, straighten this out. But a fairly long process. Yeah, well, it actually seemed like, yeah, a couple of hours even, you know, and it was gruelling and it was hard, and but it seemed like this is what police actually do do, you know, so maybe this is going to happen this time. Well, Well, what happened? Well, again, they said the case was running very well, but I was in Ballina and they were in Sydney. The bloke had handed it off. Um, so it, 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 it got to the Child Protection Unit. Well, it reached some one, to be honest. Level. I still don't even know yeah. where it ended up. But as you know, because I've told you the story, the final insult on that one was I was so excited. It might even be 96 because it was Christmas. And uh, just before, and they rang me to say they were going to arrest him. Oh, gee, you know, yay, hey, you know, right. going to arrest him. This is real. We're, we're moving forward. I didn't hear anything for a few weeks, and I rang him back in the new year and got uh, got told that, unfortunately, that as they were about to leave to arrest him, Jack, you wouldn't believe it, but a bank job had happened, and they were called off on the bank job. So uh, instead of arresting him, they'd rung him up on the phone and asked him if he'd done it. And, of course, he denied everything and um, lawyered up and... We were then told that... Um, My understanding of what happened there was that it basically that investigation had done very little other than warn him that they were, coming. in effect, yeah, <laughs> looking into him. Yeah, yeah. And it gave him the opportunity to destroy evidence. Yep. It gave him the opportunity to um, basically prepare his story, hmm. prepare his alibis, his, uh, his, his version of events that obviously would conflict with yours. Yeah, and, and and again, a funny aside, but even when he, right right at the end, his, his lawyer tried to use that as mitigating circumstances that he'd been worried from the, all this time, all these years ago, you know, mm. that we were coming for him. Well, he certainly had a chance to get prepared. And the, and, and, and the, uh, the armed robbery, which sounds very strange, yes. doesn't it? I mean, it, it does sound very strange that you've got the police say, oh, look, uh, you know, we were all ready to go, and then... Um, and then there was a robbery, so we couldn't really do anything that day. Well, in my naivety, mate, I actually went along with it. I, I fully said, well, I totally understand. You know, this, you've got you've got time to do my case. It's an older matter. We're getting there, and you've got an immediate thing, boys. I understand that totally. But then uh, it was only a month or so after that that I got word through the DPP that they were no longer going to proceed with the case because they didn't think they'd get a prosecution and that one of the other witnesses had also dropped out, which also turned out not to be true. But, you know, we didn't find these things out until years later either. 
Well, how long did it take before the cops started to take well, your matter seriously? Well, it really was, a, what was it, 2010 Royal Commission, I think? Right. Wasn't it? Uh, to, uh, got the right year. Yeah, I think um, 2010 it was called. I think it began yeah. hearings in 2011. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I probably went in 2011, 2012. And I was up in Queensland at the time and uh, got a message that I'd probably have to go in for about half an hour and tell them what happened, you know. And it was my date and I went in and, uh, like, from another thing that I'll always be grateful was that we got the ex-police commissioner, Bob Atkinson, was my commissioner. I was in the room for over two hours with him in the end. Former Queensland police, police officer. Outstanding yeah. uh, human being, as yeah. I understand it. Yeah. And uh, he uh, heard my story and, and wanted to know everything about it. And at the end, he said, you know, can I reopen this case for you? And he even brought up at the time, like, did they put wires on you back in the day or anything? I said, none of that, mate, nothing like that, you right. know. But um, he reopened the case, but then did a bit of background work, got it to a point where he handed it on to major sex crimes in Parramatta. He took up the running for a short time before handing it on to, uh, well, one of my heroes from my life, a great detective, John Pollock, who... Uh, John Pollock drove the investigation. Uh, did were you aware that if the school was contacted at all, or whether they cooperated with police? Everything I've been told through all of this is that at every hurdle, the school was uncooperative. You know, they they certainly weren't rushing to help. Um, and in fact, the former headmaster of the junior school, Keith Sanders, deliberately um, avoided a police interview, interview mm. to the and then died as did, unfortunately for us, the uh, headmaster of the senior school, who uh, I'd also heard was about to have his own little interview. So, uh, And even things like records of employment, uh, where school, where students were, what classes they were in and so forth had basically well, the, the, that was either been destroyed or not stored properly. The most cynical part for me will always be in the trial and the civil matter where they... they plain face say that they've lost those records for those exact five years any other year no problem your honor and we've lost that particular insurance company we know we were insured because we have to be legally but we can't find who was doing it at the time so the year the abuse occurred is what what year are we talking about there uh it started when i was just so 10 12 well, 19. Yeah, well, 10 years old was when the grooming started, but the, the real abuse started about 11, mm. 12. He's a very dangerous man, not only doing that, but, but stalking you. And now we're in probably, what, a good 35 years later, mm. and there's finally a police investigation, despite the fact that you had contacted uh, the, uh, the police some 12 years earlier and... and uh, Nothing was done, and then we had a sort of dodgy investigation that occurred after that that didn't come up with anything. And then Futcher is charged. Futcher's charged, um, and again, I mean, it's I can talk about all these things now mm. in the, the, the who knows. You know, if we'd gone to trial earlier, there was just me. Um, through the Royal Commission probably and things and publicity around the whole matter, yes. by the time we get to trial, there's now six of us. Right. Um, the DPP are claiming 
he's going to go for separate trials and he'll probably get it. Um, that was very worrying. But in the yes. end, um, sanity, I would say, prevailed and we, uh, we got a trial with all six of us before the same jury. Was that at the order of the court that, the, I mean, that, that can occur that way? Yes. That, that, yes. He, that, did, that, he that, did try for separate. He had tried separate trials, which would have been gruelling and, uh, and, and looked to sort of mitigate his offending because if he'd been convicted of one, that couldn't be transferred, knowledge of that couldn't be transferred into a subsequent trial. Uh, and so the courts made the right call there. Uh, and we got a specialist judge, Judge Gurdon, which I fully applaud the New South Wales government for doing, setting that up. Mm. It's a highly specialised mm. business, isn't it? Even at that policing level, yep. you obviously ultimately found a very good investigator. Yes. Yep. It's a it's a it's a highly skilled and, and unique skill, uh, uh, and that just normal CIB detectives yeah. are not going to they're not going to be up to to uh, to, to stuff with this, mm. particularly if they um, uh, if they've had no particular training in 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 in, in, in uh, you know, no, investigating sex crimes per yeah. se. And as it turned out. Uh, Detective Pollock got Detective of the Area Year Award for that, but he also, uh, well, he, our case was the final case for him, yeah. And he retired after he that. He retired after that. And, uh, well done him. Yeah. So uh, partly because of the case had taken a toll. Had you received any contact from the school throughout that criminal trial? Nothing? Nothing directly. The only thing that was, was being done by them was they were putting the emails out to the parents saying how much they stood by us and what. Proud, proud of us for coming. Forward. Oh, they were proud of you. Very yes, proud of us. Well yeah. done. And this is this is post royal commission, of course. So yes, where they'd done very badly already. They'd already done. They'd, they'd already been serious questions raised about Trinity Grammar and the behaviour of a group of students uh, uh, who'd fashioned uh, fashioned a dildo <laughs> in in woodwork. Yeah. Uh, we won't stick on that, but there, there are clearly some problems there, and there are clearly some very significant problems with the uh, with the school headmaster now deceased. Um, uh, and as, which has come evident since. I mean, we we had no idea that the chap that came along with Futcher, another teacher, Betridge at the time, mm -hmm. he's turned out to be a convicted pedophile, convicted mm -hmm. of. Oh, 126, I think it was, at Blue Mountains Grammar, through Blue Mountains Grammar. Wow. And uh, to my knowledge, he killed himself in prison while awaiting further charges. Right. Um, so there's no... Uh, so the school, Trinity Grammar, was, it's just not checked in it. Well, and there was a further teacher there saying, and we're talking the same years, these are a, out of four teachers, there's one of these three you could get, Neil Futcher, Bettridge, and another one, Norm Duffy, huh. who... who uh, Police were on their way to arrest him, and found he'd already taken his own life. So, 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 so yeah. Look, yeah. It, it, it's interesting how these things occur, um, uh, and uh, I've looked at uh, you know this sort of offending, particularly in, in, in Catholic schools, and some some Catholic schools with good leaders, with good principals, often clerical uh, leaders, they don't have these issues. But others, there's a culture that just sort of festers there, and unfortunately, since heard that direct um, pedophilia allegations against that now dead headmaster. So, you know, I, 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 you I wonder can, how far it goes. Yeah, it, it, it does not surprise me to hear that, no. put, it, put it that way. No. So uh, I'll just run through, run through the list. There were, as you say, five victims and, and yourself, so six in total. Yep. 
and Futcher was convicted of eight counts of buggery, 10 counts of indecent assault, one count attempt to procure uh, for an act of indecency and two counts procure for an act of indecency and one count of assault with intent to commit an act of buggery. So he's convicted pretty much for the lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was sentenced to 18 years in prison. 18 years for the, yeah, it's 22 times I got to hear the jury foreman say guilty. It was a yeah, powerful how'd you, day. How did, how did you feel? Yeah, how did you feel then? Oh, that was such a powerful day, wait, you know. You, did he look at you? Did you look at him? Footcher, that is. Uh, no, he, he wasn't looking at us by that stage. Um, and we were behind him in the court main, you know. Did you sense the tremor when the sentence was handed down? Oh, look, for, for us it was just the overwhelming relief. To, mm. And the, I must say, the jury foreman did it in a, in a, in a wonderful style. He, he paused, he gave it the gravitas it deserved all 22 times, but the first time, the first charge, and he, the judge, as you know, they run through it, they spell it out, how do you find the defendant? And he paused he leant forward to the microphone and he said, guilty. Well, the, the wash, the wave of emotion, we turned to each other in court, mate, and, um, yeah, day I'll never forget, that's for sure. This is a good 30 years after the yeah. abuse. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough to meet some of the jury members later, which you're allowed to do once the trial's away, and mm. came and had a few drinks, and actually nine of them, Nine of the jury members had come back to see what was going to happen to him, which surprised both the police and the prosecutors. They said usually once they're released from some, something like this, they want to get away as far away, you know, put some distance between the, mm. the last six sure. weeks of their life. Yeah. And, you know, in but fact, they said- were that invested in it, what happened to this man and, and us, I guess, that they came back and... Um, yeah. Did, did you see the body twitch when he got the full 18, when he, when he oh. got the 18? That's 18 on the roof, so 11, 11, with, uh, the, the be- 11 with, the, with the prospect of parole. Well, and the beauty, of course, is that, um, uh, as you know, the sentence isn't handed down that day, so he doesn't know quite no. what he's facing, but what he is facing is for the first time he's not leaving the court by the door the rest of us are leaving by. And it's yeah. a lovely thing in the district court in Sydney when the back wall opens up. Yeah. And suddenly these two take burly... The, take the prisoner away. That's it. And uh, he's, he was he was ready to, you know, he was full of protestation. It's not right. You know, I'm not guilty. Did he actually say that All, out loud? Could, nah. Look, he Just said his things body along that were being said. He wasn't, he thought he, somehow get out of this, can we, you know? No, no you're going no. that way today. No. And that was brilliant. I mean, as a victim, to watch him go through that dark space was, again, another powerful moment. So that was a really strong moment. And the thing moment. from the judge, that he was going to jail. You're not coming to home, so you're not sentenced today, but we already know you're going to jail oh. for a while. Yeah, so start Remain today. Remain in custody. Yeah, yeah, start today. We can start yeah. the count today. Yeah, yeah um, look, a uh, very powerful moment for you too. But then there are other failures yet to come, you know. You're, you're determined to sue the school. Well, again. It had failed you in your yeah. in a duty of care that it had to you as a 10-year-old boy. Yeah, but I, even that, mate, neither time when, I, when the civil matters were tried, in 97... It was a, a, a country lawyer. 
I went to him, I said, look, the police have stuffed this matter up. Uh, um, how can I do any more? Hmm. He said, why don't you try suing the school? If you sue the school, it's all got to come up again. Hmm. I had no intention. I was not after money, nothing like that. Hmm. I wanted Futcher in jail. That hmm. was what we're after. Hmm. So the country lawyer fired a letter off to him, and all we got back was too bad. 1990s, um, statute of limitations. Statute of limitations. You got nothing, go away, which we did. And the bloke said, this is what we got, and well, that was it, you know. And, and you would have to understand, and listeners perhaps, it, it might be a bit difficult for, for you to understand, but but when you've got, as the as the Royal Commission has determined, a 25-year on average distance between um, uh, between the, the offending and the reporting, <coughs> then having having a five-year uh, period of statute of limitations is just completely inadequate. Those laws have changed across Australia. I don't think there are any states now that have dropped out of them. So we have no statute of limitations on child sex abuse matters, and that changed in New South Wales, which... Uh, and I'm thinking that it changed in New South Wales around about 2015 <coughs> and that sort of period anyway. Mm. So that allowed you to sue yeah, uh, uh, seriously. And, again, it was not my idea. This was told to me in that Royal Com- in the Royal Commission thing by Bob Atkinson said to me, and by the way, I, I think you should get a lawyer and um, put, do the civil matter against Trinity. It, 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 it's sensible advice. I mean, you might say in the review mirror <laughs> that it puts you through a great deal, and we'll talk about that yeah. very briefly, but... Um, I I have, and we'll talk about the National Redress Scheme and how that, and how that has helped you and perhaps not been a great help in, in, other, in mm-hmm. other aspects, but leaving yourself just available to the National Redress Scheme. Um, when other people have spoken to me, I, I've said, look, let me find you some uh, some lawyers that are very good at this and mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and you sue them. You hit them where it hurts. Yes. And so it was, it was, again, it was put to me not by, and, and again, I read later Trinity were calling me irrational for launching legal action. Well, honestly, you're now you're actually calling. They called you a hero. They called you a hero. Yes, but hero for coming forward and getting rid of this horrible uh, person. That's not the view of the head of the school council, who was a lawyer. Um, Yeah, he called the whole thing irrational that I would start action, and I read it thinking, well, it wasn't actually me that started. It was the advice of the. Royal Commissioner, one of the uh, one of the commissioners mm. on the bench of the Royal Commission, so, <coughs> and it was good advice. I mean, it's not bad advice. No, no. But Trinity Grammar fought you at every at every turn, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. The story is that they spent over a million dollars yeah, in figure, legal fees. That figure was put to them, and they didn't deny it. So it could be a lot more. Yeah. And what did they argue? They, they they argued that the offending didn't occur on school premises. Is that correct? That's what they started with. It didn't occur on school grounds. I would argue that we we normally took a school bus to the playfields, where now is the Homebush Olympic Stadium. And back in my school days, that was a lovely tip surrounded by uh, the playing fields where we did our yeah. running and soc- uh, football and cricket. Full of toxic chemicals back well, in those no, days. <laughs> the cross country took us right across the, uh, uh-huh. the tip wasteland. Yeah. Know? But, um, yeah. So they they effectively argued that because a lot of the abuse occurred either off school, um, uh, off school grounds, even though Futcher was a teacher mm. at that school uh, and the grooming had occurred, uh, for the last, for, for the most part, for the most part, at 
on the school grounds, mm-hmm. and, and that he ran the or well, that he went to these sort of camps. They well, sort of and that was their next bit. These camps weren't authorised, sanctioned school camps. They were something Mr. Futcher was doing off his like own. Like the pervert headmaster. Doing or, off or, his own. Or the criminally negligent um, exactly. uh, primary school yeah. uh, 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 principal. And it had come up in the, in the court trial. He was asked directly, did he get permission for the camps? And he said he certainly did from the headmaster. And the headmaster, we even had a, a speech day where he comes back and congratulates those teachers for giving up their time mm. to teach the boys some wonderful mm. new experiences as we... We had some wonderful new experiences, I can tell you, Jack. Yes, and, 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 and also what occurred, and we've mentioned this before in regard to the, the criminal processes, but also what occurred is this failure to keep adequate records, mm-hmm. failure to provide uh, adequate records that would be relevant. Uh, that could, uh, you know, provide an evidentiary base for for the civil action, and so again, because either out of laziness or something worse, uh, these records weren't available. And unfortunately, those particular years, Jack, not not you know any other year, ask them for it. They got nineteen thirty threes if you want it, but they haven't got nineteen you know six seventy three to seventy eight. I think it is something around those sort of dates. Hmm. And, uh, and then, as I said, same for the insurance policy. They just cannot find who for the life of them was insuring them at that time. And this leads us into the, uh, so, the, the unfairness of even starting a legal action against this poor little school. You know. Poor little things. So, so remind me again, did you win? And then, and your victory was overturned? Or did you? No. They, you, you, the, won, you, you lost and then the appeal. Well, we never confirmed that loss. What? No. What? Basically, what they managed to do, and which hurts too, we didn't get a trial. We didn't hear the evidence. They, the whole thing for them was to squash the matter and call it a draw, basically legally, because you can't defend the matter. So again, over a million dollars that they spent. Yep. Well, the first judge um, who heard it all, he said, "Listings proceeding to trial." I think that was Garling. Um, he then handed it on to Judge Rothman, who, again, we had two days of arguments about why it was unfair for them to have a trial. So this sort of mediation type process. Well, this was, no, this was in court, them saying this uh, is why it's unfair, them saying they even referred to themselves as a small community school providing valuable education in the western suburbs. And I must say, that even got a chuckle out of the judge, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but so, um, so, and he said, Yet overwhelmingly, there is no reason why this shouldn't go to trial and hear the weight of the evidence, that, that, you know, the, the box you've seen them wheeled in. We had so much evidence over because we, we're now talking a couple of years that um, Porter's lawyers have been running this case and well. And, and we'd done a lot of work ourselves. We'd phoned school friends. We'd found out other things. We'd, we'd you know, friends were sending, have you seen this speech where Sanders says in yeah. the speech, you know, yeah. We had all this evidence, but their thing was to, it's just not fair. We can't defend the matter, so we shouldn't have to. Now, that, to me, is is illogical to the extreme, and being the person it's against, it, it hurt. It causes all sorts of anger and pushes you mentally wow. right to the end. I can't imagine. Especially after... The, this is the ultimate betrayal. You've been well, let down by police. You've been let down by the school in the first place. You've been you, 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 who have who, employed this monster, uh, and then 
you know, the, the cops have failed you. Finally, some some decent mm. uh, uh, police investigators come along. You do get your day in court. Yeah. And when it comes to that time to basically accept responsibility in legal terms, liability, and compensate you for your loss, they just fought everywhere. And, and they won. And they won. And, and, and so the, to finish this off, so Judge Rothman said, this is overwhelming, we're going to trial. Now, what I've been told legally, he was so over, so overwhelming in our favour that this left the door open to an appeal. If you'd been a little bit more casual right. about it. Yeah. So they appealed again. They appealed that ruling. So we're now in the Supreme Court before the three judges, as you know. Yeah, full bench. Full bench. And, uh, well, what can I say? Uh, just Justice Bathurst in his favour found in their favour. He found that it was quite reasonable that they'd lost the records. Um, there was no evidence of anything wrong, shredding along these lines, or for what, you know. And that, yes, it truly was unfair for this school to have to mount a defence when both headmasters were dead, um, records were lost, insurance policy lost. So you, sir, can uh, well, basically fuck off and not get your day in court. And... Uh, on top of that, you can also pay costs. So they hit you for costs? Hit me for costs. Now, this then put us in the position where I was potentially owing Trinity Grammar hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. I had nothing, um, which up until that point had been something my lawyers said was a good thing because they won't be able to get anything out of you. Mm. We're sure that this is all tactics. It'll get right to the day they'll settle. Well, of course, we never saw that. They were never going to sit down with us. Even when they were court ordered to mediation before this, they had offered me nothing right. and offered to pay legal fees only. Um, so we got that decision and obviously we were crestfallen. The lawyers were crestfallen. They, it, been, it was obvious we were going to trial all these other judges and now it was over. We were left with the one option of going to the high court which uh, we decided to do, and uh, you were told by 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 Trinity Grammar's lawyers, if you do this, we'll ruin you. Well, that, that we'll, we'll ruin step. you financially. Well, they actually said, you if know, you lose, we'll kill you. We'll destroy you. We'll destroy you, and we'll actually sue you for the redress money that you'll still be entitled to. Wow! So the the, the much smaller amount of what someone referred to as a pittance for what it is a pittance. Is. The NRS has a cap. Has a cap. Um, of compensation at $150,000. It was originally argued to be 200000 but 150000 is the cap. And as I understand the NRS, that $150,000 is rarely, rarely paid. Mm. It, it is very, very rare. Yeah. And I, well, I got, I got fairly close to that, which says uh, someone took it seriously, um, which was a good thing. But um, we took it to the High Court. Um, it was actually, and uh, I believe this could be a, a trivia question if anyone's interested, but I was told by our lawyers, my case was the first case ever to be lodged online at the High Court. Right. Um, and it was all ready to go, and then that's when basically the lawyers said to me, look, given the nature of the High Court at the moment, given the fact that if we do lose, they will come after you, they've shown that, they've shown no goodwill up till now and that we want you to at least get something 
for your life going on. The NRS. We yeah. decide that you know, it's up to you. We're willing but to run it, but their, walk their final advice was to walk away um, and to sign this huge non-disclosure agreement. And I, I can't sue about any anyone to do with the Anglican Church anywhere in Australia, it seems to the Seafarers Mission in Wagga. Anyone who's actually list, driven past Trinity oh, Grammar at some point. Trinity Grammar, but it's every everyone else. I can't, you know. There's yeah. all the schools, but there's all these other places. Anyway, signed off on that, and uh, obviously then moved to the uh, the redress scheme. So back now to your last day at school. Well, you weren't actually on the campus, no. but you've got these people in front of you. Mm. Did they ever accept? Did they ever? Because now you're talking to the current school leadership who who had made this decision to play the hardest form of ball they could come up with. Did they accept anything? Did they accept that they, that they had been morally wrong? Look, that day was it, was, it was better than I thought in the end. I felt that the three people there genuinely did in, turn up to engage you told me that they burst into tears. They, they did cry, definitely, um, especially the two in the room. Headmaster being on Skype, a bit harder to, to see. But I said to him, because we had we had ex-school friends who were now top businessmen running multinational companies in Australia. One of them particularly, his father had been a prefect. He'd been a prefect. They both got married at the, the school, a long Trinity tradition, went and appealed to the headmaster to please do the right thing by these boys and just compensate them, finish it. And the new headmaster at the time said to him that he was washing his hands of the matter as he was the new headmaster and was only looking to the future and that all these, all those previous matters would be handled by the school council. It was also um, said to him that they couldn't possibly play out because they had so many of these matters, you know, which to me Obviously is they did. a sad indictment of the school and still not a reason not to do the right thing. Um, but, yeah, do you, do you want me to read what I actually was able to guess read on the day, mate? Because um, I think it captures my, my feelings. And, uh, yeah, so, and this was later read out by them. That they, uh, again... I'd say they didn't just listen to it. They then went and read this letter and my victim impact statement at a later council meeting, which was brought Yeah, you, you, you actually did provide a victim impact statement when Fulcher was first convicted mm. or when, when he was convicted. So you were able to, you know, use that as a basis of, uh, of, of the sort of pain and trauma that you've suffered mm. as a result of the abuse. And this is... a. This is what I read out to them directly, and then we did have discussions, and it went for much longer than I thought. But, um, yeah, so, to the scum it may concern. Just to make it clear to you, I don't and never did accept your hollow apology as it is as hollow and worthless as you are as people. You really are some of the most contemptible, abhorrent humans to ever steal oxygen. You are all headed like sheep by peg, the Anglican conversion of Pell. Reviled by any right-minded person, Pegg should have resigned with Cougis after the disgusting performance at the Royal Commission. Instead, he is still on the school council. You know we were abused on school-sanctioned camps. The number you happily employed is staggering. Your inability to admit any wrongdoing beyond any moral person's comprehension. 
You lied and covered up, but ultimately were called out at the Royal Commission, but learnt nothing. You think you can replace a headmaster and move on? Wash your hands clean? Doesn't work like that. Your current headmaster is as stained as the blind hog, the pedophile Rod West, the pathetic Cougis, and everyone before and after because you never made amends for the past. You may have spent millions of dollars to win a legal point, finally winning with Chief Justice Bathurst's hard-for-me-to-understand decision in the Supreme Court. You will pay me, but you will still pay. You will pay me more in redress than you ever offered me in one-sided mediation meeting, where I turned up in good faith only to face more abuse by your inability to do the same. You instead practice litigation till exhaustion, regardless of the damage or pain you cause. You will pay even more in the court of public opinion for years to come, as I intended every opportunity, which are numerous and growing, to let all of Australia know what a sick collection of pond life you all are on the school council and the pathetic obfuscation of your duty of care to old boys. If you care for your child's welfare, don't send them to this institution will be my message. As old boys, we stood up and told the truth. It's a shame and stain on the school that won't go away that you wish to cover up and deny the same facts and truth. Do you think they've, after that spray, do you think they've learned anything? Well, mate, to be honest, I can only go off what I've been told by the current headmaster. And there has then. been a sincere... We had a sincere, he sent me a sincere email in that, and saying that they had made changes both to the way on their school website, um, where things like that is a first contact, and they have also said uh, to me in that same email that based on what they learnt from what I had told them and that they had actually had a mediation with a, a former student and had settled that to his agreement mm. and that ongoing they were going to change their practices and that that letter, along with my victim impact statement, had been read out at the school council, had led to a long discussion about the past and the future. From my point of view, hoping that uh, obviously the future will mean a whole different way, much like many of the listeners would have heard probably if they followed it at all, the, the Melbourne and the Pell response did for the Catholic Church, you know. Well, I think it's a very, very, you've paid a very, very high price for that, uh, Rob. Uh, you've paid a very high price individually for that, um, I thank you for your time today. Um, uh, this show often focuses on uh, Q, QAnon and QAlign groups and, and the sort of nonsense makers that, that uh, sort of weaponise child sex abuse for money and clout. But your story is a, is, is a genuine story, a, a story of abject failure almost everywhere. Uh, it is a lesson for us all, but it's a lesson that you had to you had to pay such a high price for Um I want to tell you, Rob, you're a better man than them. You're a better man than your tormentor, obviously. You're a better man than the people who ran that school at the time. You're a better man than the police who failed you. You're a better man than the courts who failed you. And thank you for your time today. Well, thanks, Jack. And um, as you know, that at least we got the... He's still in jail. Yeah, good. Hope he dies there.
You have been listening to the Condition Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter, still at Jack the Insider, hasn't changed. And Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. And we set up a Facebook page, find it fairly easily. Just search for us. We're so easy to find. But as we say every week, promoting a podcast, easier said than done. It sucks. So please share the episode any way you can. Make flyers. Stick them on lampposts. I don't give a shit. Get us more listeners. Become human billboards for the the conditional release. If you do, if you do, I'll send you. I'll send you a very stubby holder there, right for sure. Yeah, oh mate. Yeah, the Patreon is up and running, and we ask listeners to consider throwing a few dollars our way. For as little as five dollars a month, you have access to all sorts of bonus content, all sorts of cool shit. If you give us a bunch more money, you get other benefits, like you can even record us. You can even watch us record the show. There's all sorts of cool stuff. You can't record us, but you can watch us record the show. (laughs) And we remind listeners that should any of the content in today's program raise any issues for you, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue 1300 22 36 46. It's been pretty grueling. And finally, all feedback, tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you on this program alone. And if you have any questions or expressions of support for Rob, we'd be happy to pass them on. Thanks, yeah, listeners. On you, man. Thanks, See listeners. you next time. See you next time. Thank Bye. you, Rob. Thank you for your time, mate. Well done. Thanks, mate.